It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking packs. Well, 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 guys. I don't suck that bad after all. This is Stacking Pennies with your fifth place finish from Atlanta, Corey LaJoy. Joined by my friends who, uh, you know, who have supported me through thick and thin, through wheels falling off, through hard times, but they're here for the good times. If you're watching this on YouTube, you see a clip of a cake that they got me for finishing fifth place. <laughs> That's how much they think I suck because they have to celebrate my fifth place finish with a cake. But that makes me feel warm and fuzzy. I'm here with my good friend, Ryan Flores. You only have one first top five in yeah. racing's highest series. It's, I hey, guess man. you're right. It's good. Hey. I guess you're right. Chuck Bush. How's it going? Welcome to the show. I want to know the stat of how many people that have raced in NASCAR have top five finishes. There's one less. There's one less now. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. After this week. Or there's one more. Yeah, one more. Yeah. There's one less person who has competed in the Cup Series that never got top five. Yeah, that one. I'm yeah. off that list. Yes. And then Ice Cold Blue Mountain takes Jonathan Merriman. I put the thick and thick and thin. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to address this. eyeballing this cake so hard. Is that two C's or? Yeah, uh, if we were all sitting around this table, the cake would be half eaten by now. Yep. It's a big week, guys. Big week. A lot of stuff to cover here today. We're going to be joined by our good friend William Byron here later in the show. I'm interested to see how his weekend went. Not just one-time winner, Atlanta. He won a super late mall race at Hickory, traveled back and forth, so we'll get into that. We can get into my career best day by proxy because I finished sixth technically, and then they threw Chris Bell out. But I will take it because fifth-place bonus is a lot more than sixth-place bonus. Even if it had been a sixth-place finish, what's your best finish prior to? Sixth. So six, so you would have tied your. Well, and I was thinking back on it today. I've finished fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, everything but tenth, uh -huh. um, and then first through fourth. So, and all of those have been on super speedways or now Atlanta, which is kind of like a miniature super speedway, if you. Yeah, will. but didn't you top ten Coke six hundred? No, no. You sure? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna look that up. Darlington. I think I finished twelfth in the Coke Six Hundred. I know it was close. It's close, but it's not the same. It's Truly different. Your best. They don't give you an Instagram post finishing sixth. Hey, you don't get a cake for finishing sixth either. You don't get a cake, and your car doesn't go back to um or go through tech after the race. It's a big deal. <laughs> Inspection. Your best, not your best. Na I feel like still your best NASCAR race is that Dover Xfinity race in the twenty four car or whatever. Yeah. Where'd you finish there? Sixth. Sixth. So yep. you didn't get a cake for that either. I didn't, they didn't give but me he a cake didn't, for that. Top five. Break, yeah, top five. That's a different level. It is a bit of confidence builder. One, two, three, four, fifth. Fifth. Mm -hmm. It feels good. Now, I have landed on, though, like the fans and the people who have supported me to get to this point are more excited about it than I am. Not to say I'm not excited about it, but there is a little bit of like, hey, you got to act like you've been here before. Because in a previous life when I used to be good and win races, like this was just a normal thing. Then you get to Sunday afternoon or even Saturday for that matter in NASCAR touring series. And you're so reliant on the speed of your car, the dictates where you're going to finish. So, uh, for the fact that, you know, this next gen cars, even the playing field a bit, it's not even, but it's even it a bit. And then you go to a new repave at Atlanta that allows you to race like a super speedway. And I've seemed to take a liking to, and I've, st I'm statistically pretty solid at those racetracks. So it was cool to a get caught up in a crash go backwards flying through the air like I was Ricky Bobby, and luckily nothing was uh, broke or fell off our car. It held up, and we were able to finish fifth. How did how'd that feel, landing? I thought I had it missed, man. So that's the thing. You know, we our, our game plan going in was to play it like a speedway race, to just be conservative, be at arm's distance of the pack because you know guys are going to not use their heads, push when there's no reason to push, try to be aggressive and get stage points because – Playoff points now are at a premium, and they're going to be the difference between getting from the round of eight to the round of four, 12 to eight, uh, now over this year more than ever. But we don't need to be in those races. So uh, I thought that everybody was fairly calm at that point of the race. Th there was really no nothing really uh, – nobody was making aggressive moves. Nobody was out of shape pushing. Everybody was kind of cruising, and then the eight cut a right retire down and wadded up half the field. So that was a unique situation because generally – you as a driver can like gauge the energy of the pack. Situationally, guys are pushing, 
making aggressive moves, making desperate moves, but nobody was. Everybody's content to ride, put some miles on the board, uh, and then all hell breaks loose. So uh, Kyle caught my right rear, and then when it when it turned, I knew instantly that I didn't want the thing to turn backwards. Like you don't want the engine to spin backwards. So I just two foot stood on the brake pedal and just, and I thought I was actually going to kind of like go back up into traffic in the front straightaway. That was my nightmare of scenario of what would have happened. But luckily it kind of went, kept going the same direction as traffic. And then it backed over the legends car track and landed in the grass. And then I just turned around and grabbed three gears and drove off into the sunset. So two things. Your car had speed because you didn't want to ride around the back because you drove up to the top 10 the first thing because you drove by us. Yeah. And I'm like, my stuff was some, fast. And Corey, I would say 40% of the time you're next to us in the pit box. So you were in front of us in the pit stall. So I was <clears throat> even more paying attention to where you were because uh, it's really important, especially Atlanta type pit boxes to how we jump out and where we park the car with the pit sign. So I was like, damn, Corey's pretty fast. And then you drop back, and I asked Leanne, I said, what happened? She said, they pulled the reins back. Yeah. But it, it was tough. Like, you look late in a race. The 38 car wrecks running the back. Those guys, you know, Cody Ware gets caught up in it, and they're running down their last. So, like, right. that – There's nowhere a, to hide. Well, and it was a weird race. But also, what what is as important when you watch wrecks like that is – and and everybody's learning, and you did a great job with it – is when you get turned around, you can't stop driving that some. No, you're like, right. like you can't you, be a passenger. You get well, you get stuck too. If you just yeah. lock it down and slide, you get stuck and you lose laps or you you get flats and you got to keep driving out of that because with no inner liners and and how low the cars are, if you stop in the infield, you might not get out and then your race is done. Yeah, well, because it rained all weekend long, so the grass was fairly wet. Joey got stuck in the grass, lost two, a la- lost laps. two laps. Yeah, yeah. So you know you're not thinking about all those factors in the moment. You just want to get the thing straight and the minimal amount of damage as possible. And I think we're seeing with this next gen car, or it's a Gen Seven car. What are we calling it now? Just the the car. The car. It's, it's the NASCAR. The NASCAR. It's the NASCAR. The race car. They can take cosmetically, not cosmetically, more abuse. I think a little, a little bit. They're a little bit more fragile when it comes to touching wheels, I believe. But you know, to see Kyle Larson in the lead, getting pushed with a his nose is blasted off. Kurt Busch finished fourth with the nose blasted off. So. Chastain finished second. And, and he, he hit the, the fence. Wall. Right. Yeah. He yeah. cut a tire and stuffed it in the fence and, and didn't bend a toe link, which is your biggest concern when you get in the fence like that. Well, and my question to that point is, at Daytona, same type of wreck, car's probably done, right? Yeah. For the most part. Even, even this current generation car. But with that sort of intermediate super speedway, does that play a role into that? The speed probably a little bit because I, I th- what was the average pace? One eighty eight. Okay, somewhere in there. In the- so that's you 10 had mile- one of the fastest laps at one point. Did I? According to the broadcast, yeah. Yeah. So I was, you know, when I was an arm's distance from the pack, and we were trying to catch up. When you kind of get the big suck off the two car, the, the lead pack's too wide. You can kind of get a big run off of that. I think I did have nine of the fastest laps, and we were kind of trailing with a couple of us pushing. So. Our, to Ryan's point, our car had speed in it. We found that early, and then once we realized our balance was good and we had some speed, we didn't want to mess it up. Uh, but there's also the balance of you know when to go. Do you go? There's financial ramifications of engaging and getting crashed with three to go. Um, but there was that restart with 14 to go, and I was like, are we going? Well, be cautiously aggressive. No, no. It's either you are in or you are out. Like, you commit to engage, you pull the belts tight because once you're in it, you are stuck. Like there's no two to go. Oh, it's getting crazy. No, like you are in the fight at that point in time, right? Like the difference between, uh, so the 77 was on the same program. He didn't quite have the speed that we had and he chose not to engage at the end. He was going to take the spots that were given and he finished 16th and I finished fifth. Um, just because I chose to engage in the fight. Well, you crossed the start finish line 12th on the white white flag lap. Yeah. So, you know, choosing the right lines there. And the only way that you will learn how to choose those lines is by doing it. Like you chose the right lanes, uh, stuck with the right people. And you, you know, you moved to the bottom when you should have. Yeah. And you've done that. You've grown that over time. And obviously your, your average finishes of hanging out in the back at speedways, but also now being able to engage the pack is, is starting to show up. Did you, how tempting was it? It seemed like to me you had a couple opportunities to pull down in front of and behind Chase is trying to get a sucker hole. That that bottom's a sucker hole, man. Because if you don't have numbers, is it tempting though? 
For sure. Now, I've taken the sucker bet countless of times. And back to what Ryan just said, like I've learned that when you take the sucker hole and the whole lane goes backwards, because as soon as you leave a gap, it's getting filled. And if the bottom lane can't find the numbers, then it's going backwards. So I knew that whether it was me and Joey were down there for a bit trying to get the bottom lane formed, guys were content to ride at the top, and that's where the momentum was. So once guys would try to make the bottom, I'd just keep filling it. And you'd get six or seven spots like that. And then the 17 crashes and the 31 crashes and, and Bubba does in the last lap. And you can get four or five spots at the end. So a lot of that's just experience doing it and seeing like the tendencies of guys even. like I know that a guy like Denny or a guy like Chase or Joey aren't content to fill the hole if there's a – like they are going to be the ones trying to make a lane go. So you can kind of know just from racing with these guys – watching it out the windshield for five or six years, you can kind of know and anticipate what guys are going to do, especially speedway racing. There's a new one now that's not going to be a content riding in lines. And that's Ross Chastain. You, you know, he's like, if, if you're in front of him, like that's where we were kind of sitting in our car, watching the end of it. And Blaney was, looked like he was kind of married to Bubba. And I was like, when are we going to make a move? And our gas man, like, he's like, Ross ain't going to sit there. No. And he's the one that, that did pull out first. Two seconds in a row. Oh, Roswick Chastain's looking pretty good. Trackhouse racing as a whole is looking good. Dan I mean, Suarez running four, uh, third? Yeah, uh, four, fourth. Yes, fourth. Yeah. Both of them in the top five. Solid day. But, you know, does, that's that whole question. Like, when you're in the top three at that point, like, when do you make that move? Did he make it too soon? Did his move give William Byron the win? Like, that, and that's the chess game of it, right? Like, if you think you have a run, you got to go at some point. You can't just wait and ride it out. Well, the most advantageous place to be is a lead because even if Ross takes the like puts the move on Bubba, gets to his left rear, now William Byron has a car length worth of time to react to block that lane. You know what I mean? Like you always want to be in the lead. I think that kind of changed uh, over the last couple of years as guys started to get smarter on how they defend lanes and can air block and things like that. Because it used to be you wanted to be running second because the guy didn't really. Nobody had studied drafting enough to understand that you wanted to back up to the to the guy in second to stall his run. Like we yeah. talked, we Bubba in his post race interview was saying that William was doing a good job lifting, and what that means is like if William Byron just haphazardly just kept his foot in the gas wide open and drove off and had a three or four car length gap, that's going to allow Bubba to get a run and to put him in a bad spot. So with who spots for? Uh, who, It'd be an unblockable run, too. It would be an unblockable is, run. Uh, I don't know who spots for William Byron. Uh, they got a spot for Hemrick for a while. Oh, God, Jason. Brandon. Brandon, Brandon Lines. Brandon Lines, yes. So those two guys are working together and obviously have been studying it long enough. to He can he is relaying the gap, right? So William is looking in his rearview camera as much as he's looking out the windshield to kind of keep that gap as tight as possible because if he opens that gap up, that's just a run that's coming to him that's probably going to cost him a win. So I think he did an awesome job. I'm interested to, to dig into his thought process a little bit here on, on how he was able to do that later. But, yeah, I, I here's my opinion on Atlanta. I have a unique opinion because I've always been on the side of the garage to where when I rolled through Atlanta, when I rolled through the tunnel, there was never an option for me to finish fifth, ever. Like, I was lucky if I was five laps down running 32nd just because the cars I'd been racing – or have been racing, we're low on downforce, our shock package wasn't good, and we had really no motor. You knew going in there it was going to be a long, long, long day. There was never an opportunity for a smaller team. Uh, the, uh, I mean, track house is a little bit different of a, of a team now. Those guys are rocking and rolling. But it, the, the small teams never had a shot to be competitive at Atlanta. So for, for the package that NASCAR brought with the new car that I think handles dirty air, really well and you know this the the new configuration of atlanta allowed a small team to get up there and have a top five day which was out of the ordinary for us but i'm interested to have the conversation it's the question that will never be answered because it's subjective what is good racing you were reading my mind because i saw people on twitter saying this isn't motorsports it's like how is it not how is that not motorsports I'll go right at that one, right? Yeah. Like that—that's someone in our industry that was a body hanger, right? That—that that we looked at that, and and you have to 
like I get paid to go to the racetrack, right? I'm there no matter what I think about it. I I'm an employee of it, right? So I used to like to go to Atlanta. You get off the plane, you're, you know that you're in for a fight when we used to go to Atlanta. It was a total team one day. You had to have 10 good pit stops. You had to, your car had to have mechanical grip, had to have aero grip. And at the end of the day, you're pitting on pit road with the 10 other cars that are on the lead lap. And it's a pit competition. You have opening and opening out because there's nobody left on the lead lap. It's just a complete scrap, which is fun for me. It, when you're sitting in the grandstands, the 1500 people that used to sit in the grandstands, there was never anybody there, right? It wasn't real fun for them. Unless you really understand at a deep level, the 10% of us that, you know, work in the sport there that understand it, right? And you have a, you have a, a hand in what's going on, unless you, you're there, you don't know. And the grandstands were packed. The place looked amazing and it was different than what it had been, but it was, it was fun to watch. Now we don't have to make every mile. It can be its own thing. Yes. Right. Like that, that's what we've made problems with in the past with our sport. Hey, that was good. We need more. No, that was good. Let's leave that alone and find something else. That's good. Yes. I I would agree 110% to that. The first race that I ever went to as a fan was the fall race at Charlotte. And I had a great time because, you know, you take a case of beer in with your cooler, you meet people and like, it's a great experience, but I was barely watching the race because it was a conveyor belt Mm -hmm. as a fan, like not knowing much about the sport, you know, as much as I know now, I knew enough, but not that detailed level. Watching it, it was like, oh, this is cool. I could go see it again. But watching something like Atlanta last week or yes, whatever yeah, day that Sunday. was. Sunday. Like, it's just different. And having the the variety of it, having, I mean, what is, what's that old line? Variety is the spice of life or the flavor in the cake, whatever. Um, I was just making reference to the cake. But having that, di- the different types of racing and the different disciplines to me as a fan makes the whole season more intriguing. Well, I think we're also at a point in time in the sport where more so now than ever, people are pulling the rope in the same direction in terms of we have a new car supposed to benefit all the teams. We have NASCAR that's being innovative on their side in their tracks. We have the Smiths who are running speedway motorsports and they're being innovative on their end, whether it's from the Roval, whether it's from high banking Atlanta, whether it's putting dirt on Bristol, them being in talks at the fairgrounds. Like nobody is sitting still because when when we were sitting still, we were going backwards, right? Everybody is trying something. Marcus and Bruton have an uncanny ability to just know what's going to work, right? I'm interested to see bristol dirt this year uh, obviously they they had a hand in 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 coda as well which we're coming back on our second trip there so i mean things are moving in the right way in my opinion back to what is quote unquote good racing it's subjective to everybody watching it has their own opinion and definition of what good racing is right some people like watching sprint cars some people like watching cup cars in Atlanta or Daytona or Talladega. Some people like watching pig race at the fair. I mean, that's just what you consider good racing. But there's, you know, over the last year or so, there have been a lot of, whether they're people in my, my network of that weren't race fans and when they found out that I do it, they just want to root for somebody they know. I had right around 400 text messages yesterday. And I would say 80% of those people weren't like average race, average, avid race fans. All of them talked about how exciting the race was. Those people don't know nothing about nothing, right? Don't know that we had five lug nuts last year. Now we got one lug nut. Don't know nothing. But they know when they turned on the race, it kept them there for the entirety of the race. They were interested to see how it was going to end up. So I think if that's a, it's, you know, it's an anecdotal case study at best, but the people that don't know racing are not considered race fans themselves enjoyed the show that we put on on Sunday. When you hear people, or I've heard people say for years that, oh, they don't like Daytona and Talladega because it's too dangerous. Like we shouldn't do something like that because it's too dangerous. From a driver perspective with a track like Atlanta, where you have that style but then you see the cars that are able to wreck and then still keep going. Like, do you, are you marrying 
at least in that instance, the best of both worlds, where you get the high excitement of watching two by two going around edge of your seat, you know, like Talladega and Daytona. But when you wreck, you're not ending your day necessarily. I mean, I think generally speaking, if you, if you find yourself in a wreck, you should not be anticipating to be able to be competitive afterwards. So I think for in the case of a couple of guys that had some nose damage and myself sliding backwards to the grass, that was probably lucky in a lot of, in a lot of cases, but dude, from the driver's seat, it was fun. I mean, do you like, is it fun being eighth in line with not a lot of options to advance without somebody making, because the, the track was so narrow with the added banking that you couldn't really make a third lane work without putting everybody in harm's way. So that's the difference between Talladega and Daytona. You can shoot the middle and still have some space to kind of wiggle or, or make a mistake where to be able to make it three wide, you would have to put somebody in a real bad spot, which would have ended up eventually caught everybody up in a crash. So I don't love just the way of, you know, some instances of it, but the, the broad picture of what we did, I think allowed a small team like ours to, I mean, to, to get a top five. And, and I think that that's really subjective to myself, but I think that um, everybody else had the same opportunity to, to have a game plan to finish the race in the top five and some guys executed and some guys did. It's also funny to hear the reactions of people that finished well versus the people that didn't, yeah. which that's Always. any track, any race. If you wreck out earlier, yeah, you're like, going to be pissed. Yeah. Screw this place. It's I did watch Kyle Bush's interview like seven times. Yeah. yeah. He's not having fun. He's not having fun. And it's a little bit, little bit like makes it's a head scratch for me because he's in a contract year and generally everybody around their best behavior. On a contract year. So I'm a bit confused by his tactics. Ty's doing pretty good. Tyrone's doing great. I don't know. Hey, look good and be, you know, a candy sponsor would look good on a... M&M's is out. Regardless. Candy looks like a middle schooler. He would. He, Big he's candy a good guy. kid. He looks very young. This week, put credit where credit's due. Bubba was in a position to win that race. Um, he has, you know, one cup win, came at Talladega. Bubba's exciting to watch at those super speedway type, type tracks. Consistently he, up front. He's consistently up front. Um, one of the better speedway racers uh, right now, for yep, sure. Yep. Him and Freddie got some good they, stuff They stuck on. him in the 18 car for a couple of road course races because that's, you know, without question, probably a weakness of Bubba's. Uh, it's hard to program your brain to work backwards and breaking zones and stuff like that. Uh, so it's cool to see those guys get Bubba some Dude, extra experience. Before we move on from Bubba, how we didn't talk about this. That freaking wreck right in front of you? At the end of the race? At the end of the race. Dude, he hit a ton. Not yeah. And not only did he hit a ton the first time, but then he come off the wall and where it flattened back out, what we talked about last week, that was the biggest yeah. hit. But when the 17 came across your nose, I asked you this, go on record, did you lift? No. Right. Well, I'll go on SMT and look. I, now, my big toe might have got a little light, like, ah! But <laughs> you know, like, like, here's the thing. Like, when you're, the last restart, you pull your belts tight as hard as you can possibly yank them. And every speedway, no matter what it is, when you cross the white, your foot does not come off the floorboard until you're upside down on fire or you cross the start finish line or both. Like, you, like where you finish, like you're not going to lift because any broken momentum is going to be spots at the end of the day. So I, uh, I did not lift. I did hit the brakes though. So I was wide open and I think I did stab on one quick because I was like, ah, <laughs> I mean, he literally was a foot in front of me. Going yeah. 90 degrees in front of my car. It, I said at the end of the, in the race, that was like days of thunder type when he's trying to like drive through the wreck at the end and, and just, just go through <laughs> the smoke. Yeah. Yep. Rule is you aim right for him. How aware, how aware, like obviously you're coming to the line. You can only, like we can see it on TV. So we see everything. How, like how aware were you? What was going on? Or was I got just lucky with Murray? the 17. Yeah. yeah. I got lucky with the 17 for sure. Cause I, you can't really anticipate cause he tank slapped it. Right. Cause he gets, he gets turned down to the infield. And then he cranks it back to the right, back up in the traffic. So the 31 took a ride too. The picture, oh, yeah. the picture that Busher posted of him basically finishing the race backwards, like backwards, backwards in the 19s, like right there. It's almost like a photo finish. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild, man. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I certainly did. Everybody at Spire Motorsports pumped up of our top five day. Hopefully we can do a couple more um, this year. But you know, we got somebody on the line, Chuck. We got the big winner. Enough talking about this fifth place finisher. Let's talk to the guy that won first place what'd they get him we didn't get him a cake he got him he did not get a cake he's he got, got a trophy, a trophy okay. he's got a trophy yeah but i like my cake better and i'm gonna eat it too let's check in with william byron here after the break 
Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. All right, guys, big winner this week. Joining us here on Stack and Pennies, no stranger to the show, Mr. William Byron. Round of applause. <laughs> Appreciate it. Man, you got the job done this weekend, buddy. How's it feel? It's good, man. That, that was good to uh, good to kind of get a win this early in the season. There's so many unknowns with the next gen car, you know, as you guys know, and it's uh, you know who's fast and and all those things. So feel like we, you know, we weren't great in practice. We we're actually pretty bad. We we're 27th, and um, you know, we they made a lot of changes overnight to kind of get it get it better. Handling was kind of surprisingly a thing, and and just kind of felt like we we hit some of those things better on Sunday. So just proud of that effort that they put in. What's a organization like Hendrick do when you have a practice day like that, the opportunity to work on your cars, do all four cars go a little bit independent and you can kind of figure out which car drives the best off the feedback? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think we, we show up with, especially a new track, we show up with different ideas, like each crew chief and engineers, they have their different, you know, plans and, and we kind of all we all look at each other after practice and say, okay, who is the best? Who is the worst? Do I drive like that guy or do I not? I mean, Chase and I we have a pretty similar driving style because we both grew up, you know, similar backgrounds with super late models. So I feel like we can a lot of times follow each other's setups and uh, sometimes Kyle Larson on some of the shorter tracks too. But just kind of depends on on feel. So we we kind of followed a, a, some of the things that the nine was doing and it seemed to work out. You mentioned you and Chase have similar upbringings. I wanted to go to that this weekend because you had a story. You not only won one time at Atlanta, you won the Easter Bunny 150 at Hickory. You grew up racing late mile stocks, super late models. And it's almost been since Kyle Larson's got to Hendrick where the internal thought process of their drivers only racing cup cars has shifted a little bit. Now you see Bowman yeah. running sprint cars. You see yourself running super late models down at New Smyrna a couple nights while we were down there at Speed Weeks. Chase runs a midget. And now yourself popping in, running yeah. a bunch of different things. When did that shift? And because you see HendrickCars.com on pretty much all your stuff. So it almost seems right. like it's encouraged now. It is. I mean, those guys, yeah, you, you got to, you hit it on the head. I think it's, it's kind of changed since Larson came in and he, he was pretty, uh, pretty progressive with his thoughts on that and how, how much he wanted to race. And, you know, they just, you know, kept agreeing, kept, kept thinking it was a good thing. Obviously it showed it was a good thing for him. He won, I feel like every race last year. And I feel like for us, it just kind of, you know, it's for me, I wanted to go do something that I was comfortable with. Obviously I'm, I'm not going to be great running a sprint car. I have no idea what I'm doing and probably would flip the thing, but I feel like for me going to run a, a late model is a good, a good Avenue for me. Cause I've, I grew up in that and it's, you know, it's something fun for me to do. I, you know, and obviously they encourage it. They're sponsors, you know, have come on board in, in certain capacities and, you know, still looking for some funding because I feel like a lot of it, I've been kind of leading the charge and, and wanted to go do it, but it's been fun. Do you get to take the jet? <laughs> I don't, I don't, but I should probably ask. We'll see what happens. How'd you get back from Atlanta to, to Charlotte? So I flew, uh, so Truex has his, uh, his plane deal and, actually his like jets were sold out for the weekend. So he had a King air that, that flew me from Hickory to, to Atlanta. And it worked out short flight. So about an hour it was, it worked out. Any, any other super late model races on tap this year? Yeah. Doing the, you know, obviously doing the snowball derby at the end of the year. So that's kind of the, the build up there, but um, 
doing doing Berlin. Um, got a few other ones that are in the works and hopefully Nashville in May. So uh, Nashville's got like a, a CRA slash Southern Super Series race in, in May. That should be good. Do you think that since – I feel like a lot of this has, has progressed post-COVID because now the amount of time we're in a cup car any given weekend is so much shorter. We've got the 20-minute practices, one lap of qualifying, then you're in the race. I yeah. feel like you almost have to be in something else to keep the rust off of you during the week. Agreed, man. I think I, like when I get in the cup car, I'm already, you know, it's already nerve wracking enough. You don't want to tear the thing up, but you also want to try to go fast. And, you know, like the first few races of the year, the guys are preaching, you know, Hey, look, we don't have a backup car. So that's kind of in the back of your mind. You know, for us, we're starting to get more comfortable. We have more cars, so we're not as worried about that. But like you said, you're, you're getting 20 minutes and try to get a feel for your car. And if, and if you do something wrong in that 30 minutes of practice, you know, you don't know whether it's right or wrong till you look at some SMT and stuff like that. So it's tough to balance all that, but I felt like, you know, the races I've done that I've been able to go do a, a late model, it's gotten me a chance to, like you said, get the rust knocked off. The million dollar question this weekend is there is an element of this that has to be entertaining. And we have to be entertainers versus competitors that want to have the most challenging race cars to drive. Sometimes they marry, sometimes they not. Well, they don't. What was your opinion of the new repave and the configuration we raced this weekend? Yeah, I think we've got to like keep the integrity of, of racing alive. You know, I mean, I, I don't want it to turn into IndyCar, uh, 2005, six, when anybody can drive a cup car or drive an IndyCar and just be aggressive and, and get to the front. I think it's, it's about, you know, we've got to have tire management play a role. You know, what I did on Hickory versus what I did on Sunday <laughs> could not have been two more opposite, you know? It, so it's just, I think they're good in, in doses. I, you know, super speedways is an art in itself and we have to have that element, but we need to keep the integrity of racing. You know, I, I'd like to see us have a few more short tracks because I think there's, there's a couple stale intermediate tracks that really don't, need a race. So I think NASCAR is being progressive with that. Talking about street races, talking about Nashville fairgrounds, stuff like that. It's cool. Where would you like to see a short track? If you had to pick one, it doesn't have to, don't worry about safer barriers, suites, grandstands, one short track you'd want to go to take the cup cars. Uh, I mean, I think Nashville fairgrounds, I think, I mean, it, it's the, the right city for us. I mean, I, I, I think IRP, you know, but I, I have a hard time seeing them being able to put the sands around that place that it needs for a cup race. But um, those are two that come to mind that are faster because I don't think cup cars do well, like a Coliseum type race like that. That's too small for our cars. So you go to a lot of short tracks in a late model, you can kind of make the, the corner like Hickory is way too small for for a stock car. So um, we got to have tracks that are a little bit bigger. Heard that. So you guys already have your ticket punch for the playoffs this year. Does it allow you guys to be a little bit more, I don't know, stress-free might be the word, or maybe try different setups and look more so at a playoff run deeper in the year? Yeah, we've got to, you know, we've got to learn from what we did last year, right? We want to we race early. You know, Rudy had that thing dialed in at, at Homestead and dominated that race. And then, you know, then we kind of went, we were consistent, but it felt like we were kind of points racing. And so, that didn't really benefit us when we got to the playoffs because we had like the eighth or ninth most playoff points. And it was really hard for us to make the final eight. Um, so we've got to learn from that. You know, we're going for playoff points this year and um, try to be aggressive, try to get stage wins and try to try to get more race wins. So I think Rudy's, you know, he's already, he's already learned from that. He's, he's a fast learner. And uh, I feel like we'll have a different approach towards the summer this year. Going to Coda this weekend, you always stand out to me as a guy that's got a lot of speed on the road courses. You've been on a couple of poles. How do you prepare going to a racetrack, especially a road course? Yeah. You know, road courses, I kind of I kind of lean on Max for that. I feel like, you know, we go to the go-kart track a little bit, and uh, that's probably my best way to prepare. Um, you know, I, I try to do a little bit of iRacing, but iRacing for me is more you – know, I, I try to – to do the exact track of the week. You know, I, I do it more for fun and, and more for just, you know, racing experience, but um, yeah, it's kind of hard to prepare for road courses. The cup cars, its own, its own beast. I mean, lots of tires easily, you know, it's, it's just a handful. So I, I've had, like you said, we've had good speed at road courses need to work on kind of, you know, passing there, but, um, but been working on that. And I think 
I think we'll have obviously a fast car. No doubt. I'm sure you're going to drive it to its maximum capabilities. Our question last year was one car and one track for the rest of your life. Uh, people can go back and look at that because you answered that with something. Um, unless it's off the top of your head and you want to remind everybody. One car, one track. I mean, I love racing Charlotte. So I feel like uh, I feel like Charlotte on the Roval with a cup car or a Trans Am car is pretty fun. Okay, there you have it. That's William Byron's track and car of choice. The question this year, what is a NASCAR or like a motorsports dream that you have? Not like a goal. Like if in the middle of the night you wake up either in a cold sweat or a happy dream. And you can open for interpretation. Uh, um, I feel like winning at Bristol in a night race. I mean, I feel like that that's the race that I when I signed with Hendrick in 16, Mr. H flew me to to Hickory or not Hickory to Bristol at night. And I watched that race from the pit box and I was like, man, like that, that is an atmosphere right there. So I think whoever has the, whoever wins that race every year, that's, that's gotta be the coolest feeling. I could agree with that. 100%. I can agree with everything you said. That's a big winner this week. Mr. <laughs> William Byron, thanks for jumping here on stacking pennies. Thanks Corey. Good job this weekend. Too. Thanks buddy. Appreciate it. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There you heard from old Wild Bill himself, Will Byron. Cup Series winner here at Atlanta. Let's get into a little pit road boats and woes. There's a little bit of uh, of woe action. The Jackman from the 20 took a licking and kept on ticking, if you will. Well, he did have to go to the infield care center. He didn't finish the race. He didn't? No. Uh, but he finished the stop. He finished the stop. Boss move. So, watching that, and Gibbs tweeted out a, uh, a good link to it where their kind of pit box has a camera on it that, that looks out and the 99 was right in front of him. So he jumped and had to check up for the 99 because the 99 was stopping. And uh, it just kind of put him right there where his right leg got tagged. But on the front of these next-gen cars, there's a point on those Toyotas. And that point went right through his leg. Like Ouch. flesh loon, like like a bullet. Ouch. So he, after the stop, uh, once everything calmed down, he had to go get stitched up. They put Kellen Mills off the 18 because the 18 had wrecked out. And, and actually on the next pit cycle, Kellen didn't make it out in front of the car had to stop and run around the back of the car. Because he was behind the 99 again? Yeah. And he said, yeah. I saw and that movie one time. Yeah, so, you know, that being said, uh, the, these guys were going to, you know, break out their new pit stop, or they're talking about breaking out their new pit stop, but they can't even get their Jackman across, let alone a front change, or, you know, both changers in the Jackman. So yeah. it's something that's really going to be have to be looked at. Now, Atlanta was always a place where you had room – because there wasn't, like we talk, talked about earlier, there wasn't a lot of cars on lead lap. But, you know, with... Now there's 28, 30. More, yeah. You know, that first, the first sequence of pit stops was crazy, right? The 10 car got spun out by the 43. The 40, you know, Biffle stopped and about wrecked the 23. There was, it was just mayhem. Because it's a tight pit road, it's, it's really one of the tighter pit roads we go to as far as box size and, and, even you're from the pit wall to the grass, it's really tight to get in out of the out of the pit stall for you guys. So unless you're in that very outside lane, right right away, you might get bogged up. But 
It, and then you have guys doing two tires, doing four tires, not everybody's on the same page. So they're pulling out in front of each other. And, and there's not as much uh, etiquette as there was once was. Like no. if you were 30th and back and you were riding around the back, you would just pit second time by to stay out of the way. Right. But like now you see like, like I, that's what I don't understand about like Biffle. Why, 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 why not just pit second time by? Well, you got to ask Biffle. We got problem with Biffle. I don't, I don't have a problem with Biffle, but maybe his crew chief should say, hey, man, let's have yeah. a little bit of self-preservation are, and pit second time by. We are dead last. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's not come in here and get in the way. We have two guys we picked up on the way down here to change tires. Let's pit the second time. Yeah. Up. So he stopped because the 48 was coming to pull out and his guys jumped because they were who's past the jump line and the 48 had to like go in between his pit crew to leave. Like, uh, all right, let's not kill everybody here. And uh, another thing, so the nine car won the day. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to look at pit stop times because some cars are really hard to pit. You saw a lot of, especially right fronts rattling out because they had everybody had their a lot of rebound in the shocks. But the nine car ultimately won the day. And and the thing that I saw, your guys got suspended, but you know you had you had a new guy in the front, Jeff Cordero, who was a, a longtime guy at, at the eighteen at Gibbs. Um, championship tire changer and your pit crew actually jumped up into the top 20 this week on our mechanics wear report yeah and and we were just harping on them guys please god just get the lug nuts on the car they look good i watched one stop yeah. where i was like damn that was pretty good yeah they, you know you, were you weren't dumping track position so sorry for you guys that are sitting at home if they're listening to this but the pit crew looked pretty solid this week yeah uh we did miss ryan sparks he's on he was on his first week of a four-week vacation so he was plugged in though he had his uh the nascar app on with our radio uh scanner the, obviously the fox broadcast on tv he's also had smt up live time watching that so he can all he can compare our stuff to the leaders and things like that so uh, and then he was also on like a slack so it's just a chat so he can fire messages over to our pit box live time so he was as engaged as he is possibly could be, definitely, um, definitely missed him not being there for sure. But good to uh, good to chalk that up for us. That was a, a woe last week, but we recovered pretty nicely. Going to Coda this week, left side pit stops, normal normal, normal pit, pit stops, stops, yep. As opposed to Watkins Glen's the only way we do backwards pit stops. Watkins Glen and, and Indy GP. Yep, in Indy. Yep. So, do you guys do anything different? Oh, also. Uh... Is it Road America backwards too? Yeah, Road America's backwards now. Yes, it is. The pit road, the pit walls on the right. Yeah, so three, three backwards, backwards. Now this week we're we're right way, but you know that's something that we've talked about with this next gen car that could be really challenging um, with the wheels and the fender well, and it's something that to get to get around that you'll run a slider on your sway bar a lot of times. And what that does is that your when your sway bar is under load, it, it's fine because it it takes one of the links that goes to say the left front, and when you jack the car up, it lets it droop out. Well, when you're always turning left and the bar is always loaded one way, that's that's an easy thing to do. Well, now you're turning right and left, so you can't do that. So you'll have both solid links. So your your front tires could be really tight uh, in the fender wells this weekend. So we'll see how teams adjust with that. But one thing that's really important, you know, I've heard I've heard from a couple different not not our place hasn't said this, but a couple organizations that said, "Hey, we're, we might not be able to pit our cars," and like that's not an option at this level. No, no, you got right? you got to pit. You, you have to be able to have good pit stops. So you need to be able to find the speed on the racetrack. But if you dump your track position, you're not going to get it back. No, it doesn't matter how fast your car is. So I'll be interested to see going to our first road course with um, with the next gen car. If Hendrick is still as dominant as they were before, I'm interested to see that as well, because now we all have the same brakes, same cars, all the same stuff. So we'll see if Chase Elliott can defend his last year's win at Coda. Tune back in. We'll get a little bit more Coda action right after the break. And we're back. Headed down to Austin, Texas this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully, it's a little more dry than it was last year because it was in the middle of a monsoon. They got hit with the monsoon, oh, I think, man. today or yesterday. All right, well, well, I well, hope that good. stuff blew by because last year was not an enjoyable experience. I think we finished 20th, so we had a decent day. But you literally could not see where you're going. I look forward to actually seeing the racetrack that I'm racing on this year. Me too. I was in the turns with our camera guy and our rain gear failed bro i'm talking Oops. about downpour uh, during that race oh trust me 
Well, I think it might be a little toasty out there this year, but it uh, it's looking glorious. And yeah, I saw 88 or so for, was the high for Sunday. It's going to be a toasty one so, for sure. Who do we think? I mean, the only guy that's won down there is Chase Elliott, and it was no question that Hendrick had their their road course package dialed in uh, for that previous car. I wonder if that wasn't Larson translates. leading a bunch of that race though. He he did um, something weird because they called it early. Yeah. So I don't know if he was catching them or it was a weird yeah. pit cycle, but something happened I think there. We were I think we were up against daylight. I think everybody was just there. That's a lot of yeah. everybody. Yeah, everybody's like, everybody you know, just like, it's like, like we're good. We're Dear good. God, we're, we're about good. to kill somebody. Let's just load it up in the truck. And yeah, go. I think I don't think you can bet against Chase Elliott personally. We can. You can. The and only thing. The only thing is that you know the the cars are different. Yeah. They they definitely had those cars figured out, and um, yeah, it's, the, it's hard to hard to bet against them. But we'll see. It's the first time with on a road course with this thing, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yes, it is. I think it's going to be cool, too. I mean, Austin, Texas is really cool as well, just the surrounding area. And the track is freaking awesome. They repaved the majority of the track from turn two all the way through the S's. And then that slow speed section after the long straightaway, they repaved all that up until the last corner. Was it bumpy? Is this where the scooter wreck was last year? This is where Kelly dicked it on a scooter for sure. So she will not be attending, nor she is on a lime scooter. She's 30. Three weeks pregnant at the moment, so that would not be good. In her defense, she made it all of like 200 yards on the scooter before she wrecked. <laughs> yeah, it was like bloop, bloop. <laughs> pow. Yeah, well, yeah. that was fun. <laughs> and then we were going to a like what Corey, was that? What was that we were going to escape room. We were going to escape room, so we got to the escape room. They had like all the small band aids, so we just patched her up with all these small band aids. She was a trooper. We did the escape room, and it was a very intricate escape room. We like crawl through tunnels and stuff. And she was a trooper. She was a trooper, and she she was the leader of our escape room experience. She got us. She's it. way smarter than I am. Yeah, so she's she probably trying to find the, the way out to get to the hospital after Corey wrecked her on the <laughs> so, so, for those of you who know Kelly, good at escape rooms. Not good at scooting. You know, we all have our weak pluses and minuses. I was going to say, which was more challenging, escaping the escape room or figuring out the turns at Coda? Oh, man. Figuring out the turns at Coda is tough, man. It's a long, long track. I believe there's 20 corners. So, yes, I couldn't draw it on the map. You know how every year you all make us draw it on a little paper? But, uh, yeah, that's a long one, obviously, to F1 specifications. So, um it's gonna be hey, and it's also a fifteen minute practice. You might get two laps. You might get four laps, a warm up, two hot laps, and a cool down lap. Like that's how long the track is. So that's what's also tough. To uh, you, you heard me ask William Byron, how does he prepare? I'm sure he spent some time on the Chevrolet Simulator, which is pretty much the center cockpit of a of a next gen car on actuators with about a 270 degree panoramic screen, and it's. It's, it's as realistic as you can make something stationary feel, but we are at the bottom of the Chevy totem pole, so I don't I wouldn't even know where that thing's at if you asked me to get there today. So that certainly makes this, the learning curve a little bit less steep for those guys who uh, can get on that sort of stuff. I'm just going to watch some film, and uh, you know maybe you stay at a Holiday Inn Express. How many corners are here? 20. It's 20, and then you're – so like obviously turn one sticks out to everybody. It's kind of the – the thing you think of when you go to Coda, what's the S's are different. They, they tight. Most S's kind of close up or open up, open up as you go through them. These ones kind of close up. What's the hardest part of this track? Do you think where's the most time? You can give a lot of time through the S's. Yeah. So to your point, they, they start off really kind of fast and back and forth and they tighten up as you get going. Um, So maintaining your momentum through there, getting into your, there's a lot of heavy braking zones there. So getting, into one deep is, is important. Get into 11 deep is important. And it used to be last year, you had to have a little bit of tire conservation because the asphalt was really abrasive. They repaved all the slow speed stuff. So I think it'll be a little more hammered down this year. So, and also another thing to take in consideration, the cars we have now, bigger brakes, more tire patch. They're going to be way more, be- way more suited for a road course uh, than our previous cars. They got brakes that are capable of stopping the weight of the car way better. So I think we'll see multiple seconds of lap time faster than last year. A lot of lockups, you think? Later in the run, when the tires get hot, you won't see much in the beginning, I don't believe, uh, because the tires can withstand a lot of grip early. Braking potential is there, but uh, once you start getting a little bit hot, you'll have guys start making mistakes and going long. On average, 
on a lap at Coda or any road course, um, how many corners would you say you miss? Well, I am not a Mario Andretti by no means. So if I can keep my corner count per lap down to like sub two, I'm doing pretty good. Not miss in the sense of like drive off the track, just no. miss your apex or not have a good corner. Like there's right. a feel not, to when you hit it right. Thousand percent. Yeah. Like yeah. you know that you didn't leave any speed out there, right? You got in as deep as the car was capable of getting through. You got off the brake and you rolled the corner as much lateral potential grip as the tires had, and then you got in the gas in the right time and that thing was pointed straight enough to launch. Um so, you know, obviously the objective is to hit all 20 corners the best, but the guys that are really good at it, A.J. Amendinger, Chase Elliott, those guys can can are, are super aware with the grip the tires are giving them at the point in the run because the tires going to grip way more the first lap than they do the third lap, way more than the fifth lap. So those guys can uh, those guys can really fall off the trajectory of the tires where I'm just kind of out there trying to figure out which way is up. So when you go and you, you hit a good lap and like you get your, maybe you only miss one and yeah. it's slight miss. Yeah. Like what, what do you do going across the start finish? And like, yeah, I got it. Or do you just keep going? My it's, job, Chuck, is to hit every corner. But I'm just saying like when you hit them. Hey, you got a cake for fifth and you, place. You do. Your <laughs> job. When you do I'm your doing, job. Yeah. Do you not have a little bit of a, hell yeah, I did it right on that one. No, because I'll tell you why. When I feel like I hit all the corners, I'm still about a second slower than the guy whoever's hitting them better than that. So, To your defense, you did win like a Mazda Miata practice down there one time. I did. No, I won the best in class in the Miatas. I was hauling ass. Did you win the race? Top down, yeah. top up? I th oh, I thought you had to switch with a co-driver. It was not the Richard Petty convertible. <laughs> I thought you position. had to switch with a co-driver and you, you – did you win? No, you got a trophy? the first day we won and then the second day the guy broke the transmission, but I was about three seconds faster in the field in that, in that Miata, which doesn't apply to a cup car whatsoever, but you know, at <laughs> least it'll me to it at least yeah i was going to like a solid 125 on the back stretch like me getting past yeah i felt and you know i'm all big in that thing look like a warrior miatia is a small uh here and that's a perfect that's the perfect way to like lay out my career like i had to pay 3500 bucks to like go down there and drive a miata well you were supposed to drive like a bmw right broke which actually the miata turned out to be better because i had a heel toe and it had like an actual like straight straight cut gears where the bmw would have been paddle shifters so the miata i thought helped me more but like every three laps the a trans am that rcr built specifically for tyler reddick and austin Hill to go down there was passing me literally like <laughs> a cup car with whatever specifications that they could go down there for that WRL series. So like, it's funny the difference in preparation or the tools that a lot of people have. Uh, but you know, Hey, take what you can get. Sometimes it's a Miata. Sometimes it's a full blown cup car. So is Coda real motorsports? You're burnt. You're burnt about this. <laughs> you're burnt that's up about that. that was dumb. That's, that's a dumb, that's a dumb tweet. Should've we're not going to, we're not yeah. going to name names on who said that tweet, but it's dumb. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we have motors, and it's a sport. It's motorsport. Are they engines or are they motors? They're engines. It's all Dylan. But when we go electric car racing, it'll be motors. Hey, technically, there's a motor on there, too. The starter motor. Here's what I like about motorsports at road courses is the uh, like what the guy who dominates the whole race is going to change because the strategy is going to come into it. Always does. Mm -hmm. Wild Will Byron touched on it. Stage points. And if you're not in the in the spot for stage points, you're gonna you're gonna pit with two laps to go in the stage before the pits close, and, and you're gonna cycle around. to the lead. And if you are leading and you are the dominant car, you're not gonna give up the stage points because that that's like he said, one point later on in the season. So there's always gonna be comers and goers, and the strategy is gonna be a big part of it. Who uh, who do you think is a dark horse road racer that this next gen car is gonna highlight? Is there anybody in the field that you're like? Well, Austin Cernick was yeah, he's was not. A, he's, outside, he was on the outside pole horse. last year. But I mean, would he's you, not a dark horse though. I mean, that's well, his he's expertise. A rookie, he's a rookie though. Like that's like, he's the, we, he's way less of a road course rookie if, than I am. If he wins that Cup race, rookie. nobody's going to be surprised if Austin Cernick goes down there and wins that race. Yeah, Chase I, Briscoe wouldn't be surprised if he won that race. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm you're talking not, about like AJ Allmendinger is not a dark horse. No, he's not a dark horse. I think somebody that that is that people don't give enough credit to that's always fast on road courses. Obviously, your Joey's and and guys like that are good, but I think Blaney is sneaky good on on road courses. I do. 
See, I wouldn't think of him as a road course guy. We did he win actually the got ma- he got mad at me at Sonoma one time because he finished second or third, and I'm like, where did? I mean, he obviously won the Roval the year before, but oh. that's only because the being 48, in the right place, at the right time. Forty eight got cleaned out, and I asked him. I'm I like, know, I was there. I was changing. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, not a knock on that win. No, I'm like, anybody else you? could have been third. Yeah, he he sure, was. Right. I so story about that. We we all when we would change like when we worked for him, we would all go to the bar, go do something the night after we won the race. Like it was like old school won the race we're going to the bar and we were there and he's like for those of you who know Blaine he's very low key and he's like yeah you know those guys wrecked I said hey there's 35 other motherfuckers out there that didn't put themselves yeah. in the position you did like these cup races aren't easy to win no. and and there was like we passed Jamie McMurray with two to go and that was the that was what ended up winning the race well to your point Corey about the fifth place at Atlanta you did everything you needed to do to be in the place if something happened you got a fifth place finish out of it. And the, you do everything you got to do. If you're in third place and something happens, boom, you're there. Like, take what you can when you can and yeah. be in the right spot. I mean, he backed into a fifth place this weekend. Backed literally, it up. Literally backed, backed right into yeah. it. We're going to back into some Penny for Your Thoughts questions, too. Janie, what do we got? All right, Janie, Penny for Your Thoughts. We got a couple good ones this week. What do you got? Our first one comes from Dumb Ginger Ale, and they say, what does a top five this early on mean for the team? Mm, means we could celebrate with some cake. I bought the boys some lunch for tomorrow from Viva Chicken, so they'll get a nice catered lunch. Um, you know, I think it's just a shot in the arm in terms of what those guys are doing isn't going. Uh, it's one thing showing appreciation by, you know, saying thanks for the hard work and all that, but until you show those guys results on the racetrack, like that's the only thing that matters. And that's the only thing we're doing it for. So uh, for those guys, all the guys that work back at the shop and on our team, they have been work ragged, most of which stayed out there all three weeks for the West Coast Swing. Just to come back and to get a top five run for those guys, I think it's as big of a morale booster as it, as it is anything else this early. Well, and, you know, two top 15s as three. well as that, you know, three top, well, two top 15s go along with this top five Yeah, is a big deal for, for your team. That doesn't, you know, that shouldn't go unnoticed for you yeah. guys. Three top 15s to start the year out of five. That is a pretty good start. So I think that that's better than what we could have hoped. Clay Morris asks, do you think the bigger brakes on the next gen cars will help with faster lap times at Coda? Yeah, I think we just talked about that in the segment before this, but yeah, the I think they're about two and a half to almost three inches bigger OD brakes. So they're just the leverage of that. It's going to allow us to stop way better. And then the sequential shifting also has a lot more potential speed in it on downshifts as well as upshifts. It's just faster. So I don't know the, the speed difference, but it will be a lot more. Um, it'll be a lot faster this next gen car this year. And our last question asks, what's it like being side by side in a car going 178? Well, I think we were going faster than that, right? Uh, Chuck said earlier it was 188 to 190. You know, I think that's why you have to put a lot of trust and respect to your competitors because, um, you know, everybody else is is relying on you not making a mistake and vice versa. So, you know, when when somebody does, that's that's when it usually goes bad for everybody. But at the end of the day, all of us are professionals and we get paid a decent amount of money to drive these things. So if you, if you couldn't do the job, then you'd get forced out pretty quick. So I think that, um, you know, it's not that nerve wracking when you do it each week with everybody and you, and you trust in their abilities. That's all we have. That's it. Look okay. that when you're doing 178 and one's turned right in front of you. <laughs> That's there's somebody going scary. 178 with somebody broadside to you. You get a little pucker factor, not going to lie. When the 17 car is a foot in front of you heading towards the fence. Bro, that was the close one. And uh, luckily, we didn't get any damage on our FOE Chevy Camaro. Send in your thoughts. Hashtag Penny for your thoughts on Twitter. We'll get to these each and every week. Penny Stacker of the week. Uh, Janie on the rundown had me, but I told Ross and his daughter, Autumn, not Ross, Ross Chastain, is a fan of Ross and Autumn, uh, said he's a big fan of the podcast. He did the track walk for Speedway Children's Charity on Sunday morning. So I said, you, sir, are the penny stacker of the week. Listen this week because, Ross, you are on the show. And I appreciate all the support. Everybody's been listening to us, subscribing, liking, rating, 
fire them in. We like to read them, give us all the warm and fuzzies. Until then, we will see y'all down in Austin, Texas. We'll be down there stacking some more pennies. Thank y'all for tuning in.